Good morning, um, my name is Emily and I'll be doing the second Bible reading taken from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 1 to 28. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and did not deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether, then, it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than, more than all men. But Christ has indeed been, re- been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each to his own turn. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. This is God's word. Thank you, Emily. Now, if you do have your Bibles, uh, keep it open. We'll work through 1 Corinthians 15. It is a tradition that Christians uh, say on Easter Sunday that the Lord is risen and the people respond. He is indeed risen. He's risen indeed. And it is a tradition we say not simply because it's a tradition, but it is in fact the truth. Today, 
the Lord lives. And we'll see that in our passage today, but let's pray once again. Let's join in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to read of this passage, what we do not understand, we pray that you will teach us. And what we do not believe, help us to believe. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there is a world of difference between knowing a story and knowing its purpose. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference between knowing a story and knowing its purpose. Take, for example, fairy tales. Authors who penned down the words of the wonderful classics. They wrote the stories not merely to entertain, to tell a story, but there's a message, there's a purpose, there's a moral to the story, there's something that reflects reality. And so there's a world of difference between knowing a story and knowing its purpose. And so, for example, Beauty and the Beast, we all know that story, I'm sure, Beauty and the Beast. Some of us are just a bit too embarrassed to admit, but I'm sure you know Well, in this story, we know the story, the plot, the characters. There's this beautiful Belle. She gets imprisoned by this beast at this castle. She tries to escape, but she fails. And then the local self-proclaimed hero, Gaston, tries to rescue her and tries to marry her. But eventually what happens in this story? This beauty, this Belle, falls in love with the beast. And then what happens in the end? Well, eventually they do fall in love and this beast turns out to be a prince and happily ever after. That's the story. You watch it, that's what you see. But you see, knowing the story is very different to knowing its purpose. And so what do you think is the purpose of Beauty and the Beast? What's the moral of the story? Now, if you're thinking, those of you who are wives here, that one day your husband will turn out to be a hunk of a good-looking husband... That won't be true. And unfortunately for my wife, that will never be true. She's stuck with me. But what's the moral of the story? Well, it's a story about how selfishness and cruelty will lead to a lonely life. And true love is only found in self-giving sacrifice. That's what we see at the end. Or maybe the movie or the story, The Lion King. We all know that. That's one of my favorites. The story is quite simple. You've got the king Mufasa. He rules over the kingdom. But then there was this plot against him by his own brother Scar to have him killed. And he was killed. And the rightful heir Simba was chased away. And then what happened? Well, this uncle, so malicious, he rules as king. He exploits everyone. But eventually the rightful heir returns. Simba returns as king and restores peace and order. That's the story. But there's a difference between knowing the story and its purpose. And what do you think the purpose of that story was? Well, it's a story about identity. Simba losing his identity, but yet finding it again in his rightful place as king. And only in finding his rightful purpose as king is he able to restore order and peace and good triumphs over evil in the end. That's the moral of the story. You see, there is a world of difference between knowing a story and its purpose. And I wonder whether for many of us even here today, the same can be said about the Easter story. We may know the Easter story. It's quite straightforward. Easter Thursday, the Last Supper. 
Easter Friday, the crucifixion. Easter Sunday, the resurrection. But do we know the purpose, the point, the message? Now, you may or may not be thinking about this question today. Perhaps some of you might even have been dragged along to an Easter service today unwillingly because that's what you do every year. You come along to an Easter service. But let me put it to you that unless you understand the Easter story, what happened, and unless you understand its purpose, what difference does it make to me? Let me put it to you that you are wasting your time if you do not understand its purpose. And more than that, you'll fail to see how the story of Easter affects your eternal destiny. And so today, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, let us understand the purpose of Easter. Let us see how it affects even our lives today. And so what do we know about the story of Easter? Well, firstly, the story of Easter is a story of history. That's the first thing I want you to hear. It is a story of history. We are talking about a real time in a real place and real actual events in our history. We're not talking about fairy tales. We're not talking about an author who decided, I'm going to write this magnificent story and send it down through the generations as something for people to know and to believe. Not at all. It is historical, embedded in our human history. It's a story that people were eyewitnesses to. People saw what happened, which means the claims of what happened at Easter are the actual claims of the very people who were there, not made up. We are talking about history. And what we have here in this passage is, in fact, if you think about it, stranger than fiction. Stranger than fiction. The Easter story summarized and condensed in only five verses from verses 3 to 7. Scholars reckon that these five verses were the earliest Christian creed, even if we do not have the entire New Testament and we were only left with these five verses. We would still have in these five verses the essence of the gospel and the Easter story, the bedrock of Christianity, the message that transformed the lives of the apostles, the message that turned upside down the Roman Empire, the message that changed billions of lives even up to today. That's what the Easter story did. And so what's the story? Well, in verse 3, we heard it prayed, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. You see, there was no doubt historically that Jesus died. If you say Jesus didn't die, well, that is not historical. Jesus did die. He died by crucifixion under Pontius Pilate. It was what caused all the disciples, apart from John, to go scrambling and to go in hiding. It happened. But you see, his death was not merely a tragic, unfortunate miscarriage of justice on an innocent man who unfortunately had fallen into the hands of envious leaders and a cowardly Pontius Pilate. But you see what he said here? He died for our sins according to the Scriptures, which already says to us 
that knowing that he died is not enough. Knowing historically that Jesus died is not enough. You still miss the point. You have to understand its purpose. You see, without understanding its purpose, it's just the death of a man who died by crucifixion. There were thousands of them. So what? Well, the purpose? He died for our sins according to the Scriptures, which means his death achieved something no other death achieves. I mean, the vast majority of us will one day die. In fact, all of us will one day die, but the vast majority of us will one day die for no purpose at all. Sounds quite sad, isn't it? The vast majority of us will die for no purpose at all. Hopefully we'll die by old age. Our organs will fail. Some of us may die because of cancer. It achieves no purpose. Some of us may die because of a tragic accident. Let's hope not. But there are some who die for a purpose, for a cause. Soldiers, for example, Anzac Day is coming up in a few weeks' time. Soldiers die for a cause. They die in battle to defend their nation. Or you hear stories like, about 25 years ago now, some of us were alive then. Do you remember the story of the Port Arthur massacre in Tasmania? 35 people gunned down, killed in this crazy massacre. Well, one of the stories was of a husband, Tony Kirsten. He pushed his wife, Sarah, to safety before being shot himself and killed. He died for a purpose. Not everyone dies for a purpose, but he died for a purpose. And what this is saying here is that Jesus died for a cosmic purpose. The death of Jesus was, in a sense, pushing us aside and dying for our sins. He died the death that sin and rebellion against God deserves. He died in place of what sinners deserve. There was a purpose. And then we read on verse 4, the next part of the Easter story, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Which means the claim again is historical. He was buried, he came back to life again. It is stranger than fiction, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we hear about the resurrection, we hear it all the time, in fact, but we forget how unbelievable it was. A dead man raised back to life again, according to God's purpose. If, if we even just reflect on that point for a moment, dead men do not come from the dead. It's impossible. They do not come back. But that is exactly the claim of history. And how do we know that? Well, we see here there were eyewitnesses, hundreds of them. Look at verse 5. That he appeared to Cephas and then to, to, to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. See, that's the story of Easter. A story in history. And before we think, it's just all made up. It's very easy to just dismiss Christianity and the story of Easter. It's all made up. Well, think carefully. You see, the very people who recorded the story of Easter 
were the very people he, who did not believe that it could happen. They couldn't have made it up. They did not believe that a dead person can come back to life again. Because where were the disciples when Jesus was hanging on the cross? Well, apart from the apostle John, they were in fear, hiding. They were thinking, if this happened to our master, this could happen to us as well. They did not expect that Jesus could come back from the dead. And so when they afterwards recorded down the story of Easter, what we have here, when they went around preaching and sharing this message of the death and resurrection of Jesus, they couldn't have made it up. And it was certainly not to get rich and famous because that was not what happened. Instead, what happened as they proclaimed Jesus died and came back to life again? Well, they were abused. They were chased out of cities. They were whipped. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. And all but John were martyred. Why would they do such a thing? Because that was exactly what happened. Jesus did die and he did come back to life again. They did not doubt what they saw and they staked their life on it. You see, men will die for a cause. Men and women will die for a conviction. But you will not die for something you concocted up yourself. And there were hundreds of eyewitnesses who could have verified that they saw the risen Jesus. And so that's the story of Easter, and I'm sure you know that. A story grounded in history. But what is its purpose? What is its significance to me, to you today? Well, you see, the story is a story that calls for a response. It's not like a story or a novel you read. It's exciting, it's entertaining. You close the book and that is it. You can't do that with this story. It's a story that calls for a response. It's a story that calls for faith. In fact, it is a story that is the grounds for our faith. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, let's come back to the fairy tale again, Beauty and the Beast. You see, if you believe the purpose of that story, that true love is found in self-giving sacrifice, that true love is seen not from outward appearances, then to have faith in that message is to be shaped by that message. And so rather than being cruel and mean and beastly in my relationships, I strive to even lay down my life for those I love. And so, with Easter, to have faith in the purpose of Easter is to trust that because Jesus was raised back from the dead, alive, so will I. You see, it makes a difference even today. My eternal destiny is bound up with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is that story that shapes my story today. That is its purpose. Now, no doubt, there may be some of you here, and we're glad you're here, you find this just so hard to believe. Dead people do not come back from the dead. That just does not happen. It's impossible. Well, if that is your thinking, then you are not alone. But if you follow through with your logic, do you know what the implications of that are? What are the implications? Well, the implication is that the whole 
tenet of the Christian faith is built on a lie. It is all rubbish. Chuck it all away and we are all wasting our time. You see, if the story of Easter was only the Thursday last supper and the Friday crucifixion, without the Sunday resurrection, then Jesus was just an ordinary man. And everyone in the last 2,000 years who read about him, who thought about him, who taught about him, who preached about him, who believed in him, believed a lie. It is all rubbish if the resurrection did not happen. And that's the claim Paul is saying here in verse 13. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. You see, without the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus, Christianity, which has become, which was the bedrock of Western civilization, it is all a complete fraud. Everyone who believes in it has been fooled, hoodwinked, snookered, deceived. In fact, anyone who continues to teach such a message, like me now, will just be lying through my teeth. And that's what Paul says, verse 15 now. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. You see, it would mean if the resurrection did not happen. Again, we're talking about a real bodily resurrection in history. We're not talking about an idea, but a real event. If it did not happen, then every funeral I've conducted is based on a lie. In fact, every funeral every Christian minister has conducted is based on a lie. The promise that God in his Father's house has many rooms, that's a lie. To declare what Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That will be a lie. But if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we see further implications. Verse 17, you're still in your sins. You have not been saved. And verse 19, we should be more pitied than anyone else. Who do you pity in the world? Well, if there's no resurrection, you pity the Christians. If, you, if, you, if there's no resurrection, every church you cross, every Christian you meet, every Christian charity you see, you scoff. You pity them because they believe a lie. What fools. But if it did happen, which historically all the evidence is pointing to, and let me do encourage you, if you are not yet convinced of the historical resurrection, Instead of holding on to the premise that dead people do not come back from the dead, instead of just holding on to that premise, convince yourself with an adult mind that it did not happen. If you could, if you could keep your minds open just a little bit, just to allow that possibility, you're in fact a step closer. 
You see, what is unique about the Christian faith is that you can't scrutinize it historically. It either did happen or it didn't happen. We're not talking about pie in the sky, ideas in the air, philosophical talk. Did it happen or not? Convince yourself either way. But if it did happen, which is what we believe, and historically all the evidence is pointing to it, then our proclamation that Jesus died and rose from the dead is true. Our faith is not futile. We have been saved from our sins. His death was effective. And we are not to be pitied. We are no fools. It's why the Easter story calls for faith. It's of infinite importance. That event has a purpose and it affects our lives today. And that's what the Apostle Paul goes on to say. The story of Easter, in fact, changes our story. That story 2,000 years ago changes our story today. I mean, Christians, Christians often speak with such certainty and absoluteness. How do we know that there is life after the grave? There is something beyond the grave. How do you know with such certainty? How do you know that there is a heaven and hell? How, do you can be, how can you be so certain that there will be a day of accounting, a day of judgment, where all your deeds, thoughts, and actions are laid bare before God in heaven? How can we have that certainty? How do we have that certainty that those who believe in Jesus will also rise from the dead? How do we know? It is simply because Jesus himself was raised back from the dead. It is simply because of Easter Sunday a dead man crucified life snuffed out of him encapsulated inside a tomb but on the third day escaped the clutches of death and came out alive it is the grounds of Christian hope and it is the story that changes our story you see the resurrection of Jesus is described like what we heard in the kids talk as the first fruits of everyone else who will be raised from the dead. How do we know that one day when we die, we too will one day experience the resurrection? Well, you look to Jesus, look just like that carrot in that, in that kid's story. He rose, therefore we will rise. Verse 20, that's what Paul says. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, the death of a Christian is described as falling asleep because it is sleeping in great anticipation of the resurrection day. And it is why the Easter story changes our story. It is personal. And that is why when a Christian dies, what we have on our tombstone is not RIP. You know what that stands for? Rest in peace. John Stott said this once, the proper epitaph to write for the Christian believer is not a dismal, uncertain petition. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Now, you may not be aware of this, but R.I.P. is not a very Christian thing because it lacks certainty. It's a petition that guarantees nothing. Instead, for the Christian, it should be the joyful, certain affirmation. C-A-D, as John Stott puts it, 
Christ abolished death. You see, the story of Easter changes our story. Because it's not merely a story, but a story with the purpose, the very purpose of God for us, to show to this world your hope, if you're going to have any hope at all, your eternal destiny is bound up with my son who died on the cross for your sins, according to the scriptures, who was buried and on the third day was raised to life again, according to the scriptures. But of course, the question today has to be personal. What is your story? You see, we all have very different stories in life, very different journeys and experiences, different strokes. We all have very different beginnings. Some of you here are recent migrants. I heard one yesterday just got her PR. Praise the Lord for that. Some of us came here as refugees. Some of you have been second generation, third, fourth, fifth generation Australians. We all have very different stories. But how will your story end? Now, the reason why I think we love fairy tales is because at least most of them, why they became classics is because most of them end with a happily ever after. And it just feels good. The beauty with a prince. King Simba ruling and reigning happily ever after. But do you know with any certainty whether your life will be a happily ever after? Do you know with any certainty? Because you can. Because you can if you belong to Christ. If you've taken hold of the Easter story of Jesus Christ, he died for my sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he was raised to life again, according to the Scriptures, for me. And I'm trusting in him. I am staking my life upon his. And then verse 23, is our happily ever after. Each in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits, afterward, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. You see, we all have very different stories, different beginnings, but that could be our ending. Now, two years ago on Easter Sunday, so almost exactly two years ago, 2019 April, there were two teachers in their mid-twenties, Toby and Millie Seville. They were holidaying in Greece in the island of Santorini. They were driving their buggy along the coast and they experienced a tragic, tragic accident. They accidentally reversed and their buggy fell 200 metres into a deep ravine, killed instantly. They're very young, mid-twenties, married only less than two years. Their story, what was it like? Well, their ending, no one could have expected no one could have wanted or wished upon anyone else, especially a young couple in love. The father of Millie, who is a minister in South London, he said this when asked. Toby and Millie were passionate about their Christian faith and are being sustained by the same sure hope of Easter resurrection. 
Now, of course, the family was in grief. But this was what they said. The depth of our sadness is mitigated by the fact that on this Easter weekend, we know that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Lord. And so did Millie and Toby. You see, though their story on earth was cut short, not a story you wish upon anyone, terrible ending, but yet they still have a happily ever after with their resurrected Lord. And so what's your story this Easter? There is a world of difference between knowing a story and its purpose. And for Easter... The Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. And one day, so will we in glory with him. Will you? Let's pray. Almighty Father, we have seen your majestic power in raising your own dear Son, Jesus Christ, who did die for our sins, buried and was raised again according to the scriptures that we might have hope and a happily ever after with him. We pray, Lord, that will be true for every soul here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.